Welcome. Welcome to OCC. Welcome to worship today. Uh, you've chosen a great day to, to worship with us. This is Easter Sunday. We're really glad that you're here to, to worship and to celebrate with us. Hope you've enjoyed some of the refreshments and just maybe met some folks here today. Today what we're doing is we're launching a brand new series called Epic Story. And epic is a word that has increased in use over the years. We like to say the word epic a lot. Have you noticed as a uh, society, it's just a real, you know, it's, it's growing in popularity. Oftentimes you hear about a movie that was epic. Here's an epic movie. Okay, Braveheart. That's kind of an epic movie. And if you have like some movies that you love, like your, your epic movies, maybe display them on your shelf. And these are the ones you want to show to your friends. And you got to see these movies. Another epic movie, Gladiator. If you're, if you're into these, you know, epic battles. Or, or the next one, Lord of the Rings. Probably have some Lord of the Rings fans here that, no, I see some, mm, <laughs> but then I know there are some of you and, you know, a big battle about to unfold here. Occasionally though in sports, we discover an epic athlete, an epic player, someone who just stands above the rest. Here's an example. When I was in like, you know, junior high, high school, this was, the, he was the man. Everybody wanted to be like Jordan. Uh, Unfortunately, I was nothing like Jordan. And, and so, uh, but you know, he's sticking out his tongue. This is a slam, slam dunk competition. And I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is like epic right here, an epic dunk. Or you have Muhammad Ali. You know, in this picture here, you know, this is, you've seen this picture more than likely countless times. You know, this as he's standing over Sonny Liston, whom he's knocked out. And so, you know, you have epic athletes. Some people even say that their meal was epic. You have an epic meal. And I've not ever been there, but there's a place called Slater 5050 that has a bacon burger. Look at this thing. 50% ground beef and 50% ground bacon. <laughs> Let's all go right now. You know, This is an epic burger. Or for those that would say, hey man, just skip the beef. I'll just take the bacon. You've got the all-bacon burger here. Ooh. All-bacon. <laughs> Nothing but it. Made by the Epic Mealtime crew, apparently. What, what does epic actually mean? What, is, what does this word mean? The dictionary says that epic is telling a story. An epic is telling a story about a hero or about exciting events or adventures. It can also mean very great. Or large, difficult, or impressive. You might be here today, and the thought of anything epic related to Christianity seems really foreign to you. You're like, yeah, I get the epic player, epic meal, but Christianity, epic, the Bible, epic, that seems like a foreign thought. Maybe you're feeling distraught about life. In fact, in a few moments we're going to look at a story from two followers of Jesus who were distraught. They felt distraught after they discovered, or after they watched Jesus die. So after his death, they were just, they were a mess. You might be confused about where your life is heading. And in your mind, Christianity may be the very last place you could think you could find anything significant to add to your life. But no matter where you are at this morning, we want this series to give you a sense of God's plan and His purpose in the world. Our goal in this whole series is to show you how the Bible really it reveals to us the epic story of God redeeming people who would put their faith in Him. There's this epic story that we see in the Scripture. And over the next ten weeks, we're going to cover, cover some of the most exciting events and heroes in the Bible. You may have heard some of these stories since you were young, 
Or maybe these stories, as we share them with you, you'll be hearing these for the very first time. If you pull out your bulletin that you were handed, you notice that there's a... On the front of this uh, bulletin cover, there's two things. One is, take out this listening guide. It's a white sheet of paper. If you'd like to follow along with this uh, message this morning, you can follow along with this sheet. Um, but then on the front of this bulletin cover, you see our, our image for the series, Epic Story. You've got kind of the, the this is where we're heading. Today's Easter Sunday. Next week, we're going to look at this, this first image here, which is really creation. It's symbolic of God creating uh, the world, creating humans. Everything that we know, is, it's, it's been created by God. And so the next week we see this serpent, and that image represents the fall of creation, the fall of man. And on and on. And we're going to look at God's epic story. This, these pictures really kind of trace us through the major stories of the Bible. And so if you've been wondering, what, what are the, what's the Bible all about? Uh, this is a great series where over the next ten weeks we're going to really try to answer some questions and tie some things together um, to be a help to you. But today is an epic day for us as a church and really for Christ's followers all around the world. Uh, Super Bowl, World Series, Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals, Election Day, Independence Day, those are all very important days. Some would even declare those holidays. But none of those really come close to the impact of Easter and Resurrection Sunday around the world. In fact, the epic story of the Bible, and this is at the top of that listening guy, that white sheet of paper, the epic story of the Bible points to Jesus' resurrection, the greatest event in human history. This is truly the greatest event in human history. I want to explain why that is. That's a huge claim, I realize. But as you approach the Bible, and as you start, as you start reading the Bible... Everything in the Bible either points towards the resurrection or it looks back at the resurrection. This is the, this is the pinnacle moment of what God is doing and has done. For example, next week we're going to look at the story of creation. We'll look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And as we look at the story of creation from the beginning of the Bible, even when things go drastically wrong, we see God making a promise to provide a hero in the third chapter of the Bible who would step in who would step in and save what appears to be lost. And that, that shows up very early on in Scripture. Now Jesus is that person. He's that hero and the saving event is His resurrection from death. This event, the resurrection itself, has been the church's prime celebration for over 2,000 years now. And even though this event is the climax of God's story that He's telling, God reveals His plan to save humanity long before Jesus arrives on the scene. In fact, Jesus Himself, He pointed people to the fact that the Scriptures spoke about Him hundreds of years before He arrives on the scene. Here's an example of that. John 5, verse 39. He's speaking to a group of religious leaders and He says to them, You search the Scriptures... Because you think that in them you have eternal life. Basically, this group of people, it's like they constantly, they kept their heads in the book or in their scrolls trying to figure out how to get life. And they're searching and searching and searching. He says this, And it is they, meaning the Scriptures, it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus, clues about Jesus are all through the Bible. The Scriptures point towards Him. And ultimately, His resurrection. And Jesus spoke repeatedly about how the Old Testament just kept um, pointing the way 
towards him. Even though most of the passages make no explicit reference to him, what we see is in this amazing epic story, you see him, you see the, the story unfolding as you read through the Bible. The major themes of the Bible are uh, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Those are the major themes that you find in the Bible. And you actually see those in cycles at points where you see God doing something new, people falling, rebelling, there being a redemption or someone who delivers, and this restoration. But most of the stories in the Bible and most of the heroes in the Bible fit in somewhere into one of those major themes of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. But I want to look closely at the events just before Easter. And I want to pick up the story of Easter just before Jesus' trial. And we're going to watch a very emotionally gripping video. It's also quite graphic. And so, it's a graphic video. about It shows Jesus' death and crucifixion. But I want you to understand what Jesus was willing to do in order to redeem us from our sins. And I want you also to pay attention to the responses of the soldiers. Pay attention to the responses of the crowds, those who are looking on and just kind of taking this in as a spectacle. And then also pay attention to Jesus' followers just to see how they respond to this. Let's, let's watch this together.
Crucifixion itself was the most brutal way to kill someone. The Romans, they were experts at this. They perfected how to do this. Um, as you watch that, you know, what, what goes through your mind? Just as, you, as you think, wow, this is what God himself was willing to do for me, for you. He, he voluntarily gave up his life. It wasn't taken from him. He was willing to carry out this plan all the way to the end. He declared, it is finished. God's plan. See, again, this was a story. This is an epic story God is telling. And here, here is, it's building towards this point of, of sacrifice. Someone who would sacrifice and that his blood would be shed for the sin of the world. Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. He was a perfect spotless lamb. He'd never sinned. And so his life was, was offered up as that perfect spotless lamb for us. Sinful humanity. The sign on the cross, it, was, it said in three different languages, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. He, why, why was He crucified? Well, He declared... He, people said, he, 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 he won't deny that He's the King. And some leaders were threatened by that. False charges were brought before the authorities. He was put on trial. And really, the, the Roman governor couldn't even declare this, but he gave in to the pressures of the crowd and Jesus was crucified. As you would crucify a murderer. As you would cru- crucify the worst of criminals, though he had done nothing wrong. He, he carried out this plan for our redemption. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. This is the climax of the story that we're, that we're really looking at. And we're going to keep revisiting 
in the weeks ahead. But look at the responses to his death. First from the soldier. After his last words. Look at Luke 23. It'll be up here on the screen. Verse 46 through 47. First Jesus cried. He says, Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice. These were his final words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. He gave up his life. You get the sense that, again, it wasn't taken. He, 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 he gave it up willingly. And then verse 47, Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. This was a captain. This was a Roman captain who was leader of hundreds of Roman soldiers. He'd seen many deaths. And he declared that Jesus was a righteous man He was innocent. He'd never seen anyone die like that. He makes this huge statement. Then the onlookers. Look at the next verse. Verse 48. Now all the crowd, and all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. Basically, this was a sign of mourning. You can bet that some of them felt guilty for taking pleasure in this execution after seeing everything play out and seeing how Jesus died. And then his followers, verse 49, and all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. You know, that video, it captures the pain and the devastation that they must have been feeling. Can you imagine? After the crucifixion, his followers, they're perplexed and they're extremely discouraged over what has just happened. They just witnessed the brutal torture and death of the one whom they all had hoped would be their Savior. Jesus' body was removed from the cross and, and He was wrapped in a, in a linen shroud and He was placed in a tomb. This was on a Friday. And then the next day was the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, Jews would not travel. They would not work. But then on Sunday, the women, they brought spices that they prepared to give Jesus a proper burial. And they weren't able to do that on Friday. And so they go to the tomb and when they get, arrive at the tomb to give Him a proper burial they find that the stone has been rolled away and they can't find Jesus' body inside. The grave clothes are there. He's not there. And then suddenly, angels appear to the women. They declare this. This is Luke 24, verse 6 and 7. It says, the angel says, He is not here, but has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man, that's His title for Himself, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. They take this news, they report it to the rest of the men, which caused some of the men, Peter and John, to get up, bolt out the house that they were at, and go and see for themselves. They want to see what has happened. They also arrive at the tomb, they find that Jesus' body is not there. They, they go home, they find the linen cloths as well, they go home, they report the news. What I really want to focus on is, is in Luke 24, a little later on, there's some interaction from, from the same day. So it's still Sunday. And there are these two men, other followers of Jesus, who they were heading from Jerusalem back to their home in a village called Emmaus. And they'd heard the reports about the women. They were really distraught. These two guys are walking on foot down this road to a village that's about seven miles away. And everyone in those days walked everywhere. Basically, that was their mode of transportation. You know, your legs. You just walk to get from point A to point B. And so in those days, roads and paths would have been like streets and freeways. Meaning, there would have been high traffic on the roads when you're traveling between villages and towns. And so it would have been common to see people on the road. 
And as they're walking, and they're talking about what has just happened, remember, this is Sunday. They're talking about what's just happened, the, the report of the women that his, his body's not there. A man walks up alongside them and joins them as they're walking on the road, and it was Jesus. But for some reason, they don't recognize that it's him. The scripture just says that he's veiled in some way. In some mysterious way, his identity is veiled. They don't recognize that it's Jesus walking alongside them. And so when you read through this passage, it's kind of like you're watching a movie. You know how you watch a movie, and like a real suspenseful movie, and something's about to happen, and you know what's happening? Because you're like watching from your couch, and you're like, don't go in that door! Don't! Wait, 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 that's him! That's the guy! And they don't realize what's happening? That's exactly how it is when we read this passage. We know what's going on, but they can't tell what's happening here. Okay, these two men, for some reason, Jesus' identity is veiled. So as he walks up close to them, he can hear them deep in discussion. And he asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they basically responded to Jesus and said, you must be the only one around these parts who don't know what has just happened in Jerusalem. Haven't you heard about Jesus? We thought he was... We thought he was the answer. We followed him. We left everything for him. We thought he was, you know, the one that was sent from God to redeem us. See, they knew about this theme of redemption. They were, uh, those who were walking with God in those times were, were awaiting a Messiah, a Savior to come. And so they said, don't you know about these things? But now Jesus is dead. That was Friday, and to top it off, some people went to his tomb this morning, and he wasn't there, and angels appeared to to them, and man, this is just crazy. You didn't know about all this? And then Jesus replies with this. Again, he's still not, they still don't know who he is, though. And he says, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, it happened exactly as it was supposed to happen. And Jesus, he highlights the epic story of God's interaction and how all of it pointed towards himself, but still they don't recognize him. And he just starts connecting the significant dots of the Old Testament of the Old Testament, of their scriptures, to the things that had been recently accomplished among them. Right before their eyes, God was fulfilling His promises. Then look, verse 28 says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and He acted as if He was going further. Basically, He's like, Alright, you know, see you guys later. But they urged Him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is... You know, it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. There, there was something about this stranger that was compelling them to hang out a little bit longer, to talk with them more. Verse 30 says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. <laughs> All of a sudden, their eyes are opened. The lights, like, the lights come on, but then poof, he's gone. He, he vanishes, it says. This made a huge impact, though. Look at verse 32. They said to each other, catch this phrase, this is a very important phrase, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? There was something about his message, something huge was resonating inside of them as they talked with Jesus. God was connecting these important 
dots that were undeniable and their hearts were just burning within them. This was not an ordinary encounter. Have you ever had an experience like that where everything inside of you is just, there's this, you know, this affirmation of an experience. Maybe someone's sharing something that is true and you go, it's on the inside, you're like, yes, that is so true. I know that's true. I, I believe that's true. There's this, there's this, you know, resonating to his message and to his words as he's connecting the scriptures to himself. The power of this moment is confirmed in their response. Look at what they do. Verse 33. And they, they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. So basically, they turn back around. They get to their village, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. They get there. And then they head seven miles back. They're, they bolt out the house. They go seven miles back. That would have been like walking from here to the Riverside Plaza off of Central and then turning around and walking all the way back. It's a little over seven miles. You know, they're that excited. They're, they're, this, is, this is really worth it for them to, to go and tell everybody what just happened. And so it says, And then they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord... And this is what the others say to these two men as they show up. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Simon is Peter. And then, these two men, they told them what happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They, they were energized. They rushed back. They share the news that Jesus indeed was alive. He had risen. And they're confirming. And all the stories start like coming together and lining up. Jesus has risen. He was seen by, by you guys and by Peter. The angels declared this. Oh yeah, remember what the angels said about what Jesus said he would do or what would happen? That was him he was talking about. So here's how this connects to us. This is in your listening guide. Our destiny is changed when we believe in the resurrection. Our destiny, you know, where we're going to spend eternity is changed when we believe in this. There's a point in the story with these two followers when the lights come on. If the lives of these two men were epic we were an epic novel, this would be the moment the whole story revolves around. Everything before this point in their life was leading up to this moment. And here's how verse 31 puts it. It says, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him. Before this moment, the lights were off, and now they're on. Before this, they were dejected because their hopes were dashed. But, but when the lights came on, they received a charge of hope inside of them. They just turn them around to take a brand new direction for life. Here's what Jesus said. John 11.25 He said this word, these words to uh, some friends of His who were grieving the loss of their brother who'd passed. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He spoke this about Himself before the cross. This is all before He went to the cross. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in Me will live even though they die. The Bible tells us that our eternal destiny hinges on whether or not we believe in Jesus rising from the dead, believing in the resurrection, that He is the resurrection and the life. There are two basic responses that I like to highlight. Two responses to Jesus' life, His death and resurrection. The first response is this. It's something like this. Some cannot see the importance of it. It's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I, I don't see how that connects. It's almost like for those two men, they just... They, they, it didn't connect at a certain point. Sometimes we just can't see the value, the importance of this. 
to life, to our lives, to our purpose. And then another response. Some have their eyes open, like these two disciples on the road. There's a wide range of reasons why some don't see the importance of it. Here's a few reasons. Number one, like the Jews in Jesus' day, some of us today, we have a religious system or we have a philosophy that really keeps us from investigating Jesus' unique claims. We just kind of write him off before we even look into it. He just doesn't fit into our box. We have some thinking about life and we have a philosophy of living. And just he just doesn't fit into that story. He doesn't fit into our framework. And so we write him off. You might be coming from a different religious background. This might be where you're at this morning. Or, like the crowds, another reason is because like the crowds, some of us today are just, we're so busy. We're so busy making a living. We're raising family. We're working our job. We're just busy with life and the activity of of going from here to there that we don't feel like we have the time to really investigate these claims. And then third, another reason is, like the Romans, we might see Jesus as just another revolutionary to shut down. And we might just see Him as a so-called God that we just need to add to another God, you know, to add to the list of, of gods that exist because, you know, you know, many would say, well, there's many ways to God. And so, but when you look at Jesus' claim in John 11.25, that He says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in Me, you'll live, even though you'll die. You know, basically, your time on earth, my time on earth is at some point going to come to an end. And your, your eternal destiny is tied to how you view the resurrection. Believe, because if Jesus rose from the dead, then He is proving that He is God Himself. Because only God had the power to do that. So believing in this, really Jesus' claim in John 11.25 about Him being the resurrection and life, that claim leaves us no wiggle room on His identity. C.S. Lewis, he said this. He was commenting on how so many people say that Jesus, you know, Jesus, He's a good man. He was a good moral teacher. And Jesus, and C.S. Lewis said this about that statement, about Jesus just being a good moral teacher. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, Lewis says. Either this man was, Jesus was, and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can hear the story of Jesus and you can look at all the facts related to His resurrection. But if God never opens your eyes, you don't see Him as the Lord of the universe as He claimed to be. You just don't see it if your eyes are closed. If you're unsure of who Jesus is this morning, I really want to encourage you to ask God to turn the lights on for you and open your eyes. You may be actually at this point today ready to put your faith in Christ Jesus right now. And maybe this morning as we've been singing songs, as you've heard and, and maybe even sung, you know, joined in singing or read the lyrics on the screen or watched the, the video or, or listening to um, us you know, looking through the Bible, maybe through that, This morning, God is actually turning the lights on for you this morning. To believe in Jesus means to put your trust in Him. You trust your entire life to Jesus Christ. See, before doing that, you're trusting yourself with your life. You're saying, I'm in charge of my life. I'm going this way. I'm in charge. This is my life. 
I'm going to live it this way. To trust in Jesus is to turn around from doing life your way. To start going His way and to decide, I'm, I'm going with Him. I'm going the direction He's going. I, he, he went to the cross for me. I'm, I'm asking Him to forgive me of all my sins, everything I've ever done and will ever do. And saying, I, I trust in your work on the cross that that was enough to satisfy the penalty for my rebellion. I'm not going to have to pay for that rebellion. Jesus took that for me. That's the gift of life that God gave in the person of Jesus Christ. It's so amazing when you think about what He's done. And the resurrection itself is proof that He has the power to forgive you. And you might be sitting here thinking, I have done way too much wrong. You know, maybe God, you know, maybe Jesus' blood could cover that guy over there and that person over there. They look like a nice person. They look like they got their life together, but not me. You don't know what I've done. You know, there's nothing that you've done that Jesus' blood can't cover. He was the perfect spotless lamb. And only the sacrifice of the perfect lamb could provide covering for our sin. And so to believe in Him today is a significant turning point if that's where you're at. If you're ready to do that, if you're ready, and just in your mind, you just you, you, you say to yourself, I'm making that shift right here and right now. Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to save me from my sins. I, I admit I'm a sinner. I agree that I've been doing life my own way. I'm ready to turn my life around and go your way. Would you please forgive me of my sin? I want to live for you from this point forward. Would you be the Lord, the leader of my life? I'm living for you. If you are saying yes, yes, like if if your heart's resonating with that message and you're saying yes, then would you just indicate that on your connection card? On the back of that white card that Bruce was telling you about, it says on the back side, there's some next steps. The very first next step says, says this, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I commit to, hit, to follow Him as Lord. If that's something you're ready to do, if you check that, we'll follow up with you. That's the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life. You might be here and you're thinking, you know, that, that sounds appealing and interesting, but I'm not ready to do that. If you want to investigate a little further, let me encourage you to just this week start asking God, God, would you reveal yourself to me? And would you show me that Jesus is really your Son and my Savior? We want to just invite you back for the rest of this series. We're going to be taking a sweeping view of the epic story of God's work through the Bible, beginning with creation next week. And so, in order to really see the beauty of this story and see what He's done, in order to really grasp that, we need to start at the very beginning to show God's plan from creation to Christ. And so, in order to do that next week, we're going to have to ask the question, like, how do we all get here? How did we get created? How did this all come together? So that's, that's next week. And I want to look at our next steps here on the back of that listening guide. I've already covered the very first one, which is for the first time I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow Him as Lord. And then next on the back of your listening guide is ask God to reveal Himself to me. Maybe this is the step you need to take. Just I, I'm open to investigating this. And then the third one is come back. Attend the rest of this series. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank You for Your great love Thank You for what You've done through sending Your Son the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Lord, thank You for being in charge of writing this story, of of forming this plan. Lord, that none of what's going on in our lives or in this world is uh, catching You off guard, but You are working out Your plan in history. 
We thank you that we get to celebrate Easter Sunday and the resurrection and the power that was displayed as Jesus overcame death. Lord, we thank you that because of him, we can also overcome death. We can overcome our sin. You can help us, Lord. You can repair parts of our lives that are just wrecked and ruined right now. Things in our relationships, things in our marriages, things in our friendships, things with our finances. Lord, there's so much you want to repair and bring back to life. And so, God, I pray that you do that. Begin with each one of us here, Lord. Work in our hearts this morning. We thank you for your kindness, your love to us, your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.